Who's Favored? Sports Talk with Clint Pitchford and Hunter McBride. Welcome into Who's Favored with Clint Pitchford and Hunter McBride. Hunter, this is episode two of uh, the podcast, and tonight we're going to break down mainly uh, Caesars has came out. They were the first sports book to come out and release the 2020 college football season win totals so basically uh finding your team and uh betting if they're going to win over or under that certain amount we're going to go over those tonight we're going to also talk about the draft that's going to be the big thing that espn is going to be airing next week and hunter right now with sports not being on espn and they're showing horse and they're showing players literally playing video games i imagine the draft's going to be the big headline next week and they're going to just probably talk about it nonstop. You're right. Um all the all the shows on ESPN, all the radio shows, I'll actually have some some extra stuff to talk about. Um and I mean it's exciting. I'm ready for it. I mean, you know, without any sports, what do we have to look forward to? Um I watch the draft live every year, but I'm anticipating this, you know, just as much as I have any year before. So I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, I saw that uh, a lot of people are starting to get their stimulus checks. Um, obviously, uh, we're in uncertain times right now of not knowing when sports are going to come back. And um, for sports betters, you know, they've got a little extra cash in their bank account. And I imagine that uh, there'll be some that are firing away on some of these NFL draft uh, predictions. And we're going to get into that later on in the show. But we do want to start out by uh, reading one of our sponsors. We're thankful for all of our sponsors, but... Uh, we're able to do this podcast, and if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's one of the easiest ways to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's a creation tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will distribute that podcast for you. So if you haven't heard of, heard of it, uh, download it. You can record a podcast. They'll distribute it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can actually make money through sponsors like uh, Anchor. If there's anything that you need, Anchor is there with an assistance to help you. And you can download the free Anchor app at anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. All right, so we've got the season win totals coming out. And when you're capping season win totals, Hunter, let me ask you this. You know, obviously, you know, I, I take Tua for an example. You know, everybody had high hopes for Alabama, and they were one of the teams that were – definitely a shoe in for the playoffs last year and, and a good chance to win the national championship. And then Tua gets hurt and it sort of changes everything. So when you're, when you're making these future bets, how much are you factoring in the risk of some of these players that could get hurt, you know, because it's sort of, you know, an unpredictable way of capping. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to, to predict any, any type of injury or, or suspension or anything like that when it comes to futures. So you're basically looking at, or what I look at is, what is their potential with what we know right now? Um, and uh, that that's how I, I place my future bets. I mean, last year I thought Bama was, you know, 11-12 win team. Um, with Tua, of course, you take Tua out and they're probably an, an eight or nine win team. But you can't, you know, in a future bet, whether it's Heisman, whether it's team totals, whether it's um, championship odds, it's tough to it's tough for me to, to to think about worst case scenarios. You're always thinking, you know, the other side of it. What what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm looking at a couple different things. You know, I, I'm kind of looking at the teams that kind of like you said that's got some high value or, or you know undervalue, whichever it may be. And uh, I, I really just can't, I can't predict that injury. So I almost have to just you know take that out of it. I mean, nobody could have predicted Tua getting injured, so I just have to cap it as as if he were to be healthy. Uh, I think some of the things that I look at mainly uh, when I'm going into this is. I'm looking at, you know, obviously you look at what they did last year, look at some of the players they they got returning. But uh, an interesting thing, a couple of respected opinions that I follow, they've also mentioned that uh, one of the things they look into when, when breaking down these, these totals for season win totals is uh, the unpredictability each year for luck being turnovers. So mainly fumble luck, um, which is, you know, is a thing. So, you know, obviously with a quarterback, if we had Jameis Winston, as a quarterback, you know, we know that he's liable to throw some picks there. But uh, with fumbles, you know, there's there's a lot of fumble luck where the ball just doesn't bounce your way. So sometimes, you know, I'm looking at some teams that may, might have high turnovers one year, and it's kind of like a bullpen in baseball to me. I think it sort of comes back and sort of evens out. So some teams that maybe have, you know, a high turnover percentage one year, I'm thinking that plays definitely plays into, you know, the win-losses. But – I'm thinking sometimes that could actually come back and, um, you know, sort of even out and actually help the team the next year. So some teams that have a low win total, uh, I'm looking at if they had a high turnover total the previous year and maybe that could factor in them being over the the bet for this year for the 2020 season. Right. Betting futures is always tough, man. I mean, I tell you, I personally have not had a lot of luck in betting futures. Um, and, uh, you know, I seem to always pick the team that has the injury bug or, you know, that I'll bet, you know, for example, Alabama to win 11, 12 games and all of a sudden they lose their, their top three defensive guys uh, in spring training and then you lose your quarterback halfway through the season and next thing you know that goes down the drain. So I'm not a very successful futures guy. I think you have to look for the value um, you know, teams that may have sleeper quarterbacks, whether they're transfers or whether they're like fourth or fifth year guys that have a lot of returning uh, seniors on the team. And um, maybe it's not a high name brand team like a Baylor or, you know, a sleeper uh, pick and find some value in that future bet. Uh, the 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 chalk teams like the Alabamas, the Clemsons, and, and the Georgias, I, I don't think there's a lot of value in betting futures there because there's very little little rope um, to, to, to hang with. Right, right. And, and and speaking of those that with little rope, you know, two teams that just sort of jumped out to me when I was looking over that, and then we'll get into those later on, but uh, two teams right away that I think of, you know, that there's, there's not much wiggle room for having a loss is definitely uh, Clemson at 11 and a half when that's their win total was 11 and a half. So essentially if you're a better, you're, you're either betting that over assuming that they have to go undefeated or you're either betting that they will have at least one loss. And that's the highest win total out there right now. But with Trevor Lawrence coming back and a lot of others coming back, you know, um, they'll, they'll be projected the number one team more than likely. And Ohio State's right up there with them. They're the second highest with 11 uh, over under is their win total. So you're either – you know, you're you're either looking at a push if they lose one, or if you take the under, you know, you're 
basically uh, gambling there with are they going to lose two or are they going to go undefeated there. So um, those are the two highest. Uh, either one of those, like you said, there's probably not a whole lot of value in taking either one of these. Yeah, it just seems like the, the risk versus reward, you know. I mean, you got to have Clemson, Ohio State run pretty much perfect seasons, not run into any injuries, and then uh, – you know that's just it's just not enough um not enough value there for me to, to hop on the 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 high win total teams if you take somebody like uh LSU what did what did you have there at? uh there's a couple different markets and, and I will say that's that's a, uh, another point that I want to bring up on the show is you know if if you're new to sort of you know betting some of these uh shop around a little bit if you can if you got a couple different books um, you know, that that's one big thing. I know DraftKings has their lines out already. Caesars is the one that I'm going off of tonight, and, and they, they put out their lines. Props to them for getting theirs out first because that's definitely a risk. But I've got LSU at nine right now. Okay, and that seems reasonable. I was hoping it would be at around the 10 or 11, and that would be one I'd be interested in the under, you know, championship team coming off uh, coming off an undefeated season and, and everything. The public, I believe, is going to be high on LSU. So I was hoping that line would be more to 10 or 11 so I could hammer the under. I just – I'm not sold. They lost too much. Uh, they, they got a lot of adversity that they're going to be up against this year, and I don't know who's going to fill, fill the shoes of Burrow, but nine sounds about right. Caesars, I think, hit it on the head. It's tough to bet under nine for LSU on that. Right, right. Well, I'll run through some of the team's uh, win totals in the SEC right now. Right now, you've got Alabama at 10.5. You've got Arkansas at 3.5. Auburn at 8.5. Florida at 10. Georgia at 10. Kentucky at 7. LSU at 9. Mississippi State at 6.5. Missouri at 5. Ole Miss at 5.5. South Carolina, 5.5. Tennessee, 7.5. Texas A&M, 9.5. And finally, we have Vanderbilt at 3. Um, any of those you like as far as the over or the under on any of those? Any of those that you might be willing to take a little risk on? Auburn is interesting at eight and a half. Um, I mean, they're bringing back uh, a little experience from Bo Nix with a true freshman quarterback that started last year. I didn't love a lot of his gameplay, but the kid could put together some games, and, and I think he knows how to win. So eight and a half is, you know, I'd like to lean nine, ten, ten wins for Auburn. I don't think they're a national ship contender. I know they lost some guys on the line and from defense from last year. But, I mean, they're always consistent. Anytime you can open Auburn at that, that eight point, um, you almost have to go over, you know. Uh, and and that, that's probably who I'm going to roll with. Arkansas and Vandy at three and three and a half is interesting. Um, but the biggest thing, you know, it's it's tough for us to gauge this because even when, when I've always been down to bet these future win totals, I'm going off of spring games, you know, which we don't have. So it, it's so tough to really gauge this without having any type of talk or spring games competition that we can look at, um, articles that we can read on who's on the depth chart. Uh, we're really, I mean, this is throwing darts at the wall. So, uh it's tough to say. I like Auburn to be over eight and a half, just from what I know from them last year. Uh, Bama ten and a half. I think that's right on the nose. They could be ten. They could be eleven. Um, uh, LSU. I think same. They could be nine. They could be ten. It's those are tough totals, especially not being able to see what's on the field right now. Right. 
I'm kind of looking at those and, and, you know, two teams that I looked at it sitting at five and a half. And I'm thinking, you know, they look like they're teams that could possibly get to at least a bowl game. Cause to me, when I see a team that if they can get to five wins and let's say they got there at five wins and they've got one or two games left on their schedule, that's a team that I look for for motivation for trying to get to a bowl. Um, you know, they they obviously know they're not going to get to, you know, a, a big BCS bowl or, or national championship, but if a team can ever get to five, you know, with a couple games left, they have that motivation to, to try to win those last couple games and be fired up to pull an upset and get to a, get to a bowl game. And two teams that I kind of looked at and saw there, uh, South Carolina and Ole Miss. You know, I know Ole Miss, you know, bringing in Kiffin as a new coach. Um, I do like that 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 quarterback at Ole Miss now. He's, he's coming in off of a little bit of experience last year as a freshman, and he's a runner and, and he's a little, you know, mobile. And uh, I think he, he'll fit into Kiffin's system well and, uh, so those two teams are interesting to me, South Carolina and Ole Miss. If, if I was going to take two teams out of the SEC to go over, those two are two teams that I, that I would look at there. Um, another one that I would look at possibly for the under, Mississippi State at six and a half, you know, uh, depending on the coach that you hire and coming in, you know, I, I take you back to, you know, when Arkansas became the running team, you know, under uh, slipping my mind now, I think it was uh, Brett Bielema that came Bielema. in. He was the, yeah, he was the the big uh, the big coach out of Wisconsin, the power runner. Well, you know, he he had a tough time of you know taking a, a passing offense and uh, under Bobby Petrino and and taking that and turning it into a power run team. So I look at Mississippi State as the same. You know, Mississippi State was you know had a little beef and you know they were sort of a uh, a different style team. And now Leach is going to come in and, and sort of, I think it'll take him a year or two to get his type of guys in there in that system to be able to, you know, produce the the type of uh, win a capability that he's able to, you know, produce like he did at Texas Tech. And so I think it'll take him some time to get those Texas Tech, Washington State type players into Mississippi State. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I also like what you said about Kiffin. I mean, the the guy the guy knows football the guy knows offense so anytime you know he's an underdog he's got a shot to win the game I mean uh, will he pull off some upsets probably will he lose some that he shouldn't probably but that is a that's a low win total for a first year and he's gonna have you know he's gonna have ten times the athletes at Ole Miss that he did at, at uh, Florida Atlantic so Kiffin sitting there would you say five and a half for Ole Miss. Five and a half for Ole Miss. So, you know, we're looking at just getting a bowl game to be able to win yeah, that. Yeah, Kiffin at five and a half with the talent that he's going to have. Um, he's going to pull some upsets somewhere along the line. Um, yeah, I got to go with a with an over there for, for Ole Miss and year one for Kiffin. Right, definitely. Uh, moving on to the Big Ten, a uh, couple of these teams, and, you know, I haven't broken down – each one of these teams yet. I'm just kind of just looking at the eyeball test on a lot of these, but uh, on the big 10, we've got Illinois at five, Indiana at seven and a half, Iowa at seven, Maryland at three and a half, Michigan at nine, Michigan state coming in with a new coach now at four and a half, Minnesota nine, Nebraska six and a half, Northwestern five and a half, Ohio state 11, Penn state nine and a half, Purdue five, Rutgers two and a half and Wisconsin nine and a half. And Hunter, I don't know about you, but, just looking at these, you know, a couple things that jump out to me. One, Ohio State really essentially has no value at 11. I, I, you know, I think maybe Penn State probably the only team in the Big Ten that probably could beat them, but I'm not sure if I want to just, you know, 
risk that because I'm either probably looking at a push or undefeated. I don't see them going 10 and two, but I'm not sure if it's worth really betting there. And then a couple others, you know, uh, Michigan state at four and a half. I know they got a new coach coming in, but typically they're at least a, you know, a six and six at worst team. And uh, even, you know, Maryland at three and a half just seems awfully yeah, low. Those are some very low numbers, but you know, uh, we're an SEC country. So I, I, I couldn't tell you a player on Michigan state's team. So I'm not going to sit here and tell they're going to win right. five or six games when I can't even name their their quarterback. So, uh, I mean, Maryland with Loxley, you know, they put up a lot of points last year. Um, had a decent offense, but they were so inconsistent. But, yeah, I mean, you got to think they'd win over three and a half, you know, win four games. I mean, come on. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know their schedule. Don't have it in front of me, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just it, – it's tough, man. It's really just – frustrating because you know I, I go back to year in year out watching these these uh, spring uh, scrimmages on ESPN and you can really get a good gauge of how you think that the the, the team's gonna go um it all revolves right. around QB play um and without knowing what any of these you know first time starting QBs have to offer it's who knows what what the win total? Maryland could win nine games this year. You know. Yeah, and and I I think this is honestly going to be that year that we get that crazy team like that. You know, that just what what in the hell is going on here kind of type team with in the playoffs this year. I think just have not having the spring and you know just. And who knows if we're going to be able to play this without fans or with fans. I, you know, I've heard the news come out today that a lot of the uh, projected so-called ESPN experts think that we are possibly going to have a season, but it may not start on time. And then also it, it may start without fans, which is going to be crazy if it does. I, I'm, I'm a believer that we're going to get this thing turned around before then. But, you know, just the craziness of what we've been in so far, I could see a team just getting hot at the right time and, and you know, having that luck factor all year long. Give me a team. team Give me a team. Throw me somebody out there off the wall. Well, out of some... I can't I can't throw you necessarily a team, but let me tell you a style of team that, that I would I would favor. Um if if you look back uh the year that uh uh I hate to bring it up but the kick six year, um, you know, Auburn, if you go back and look, that that team, you know, you know, they they got hot at the right time and they had a lot of close games where if one thing didn't go their way then they probably, you know, had a terrible season. But once one or two things start going your way, then they just get hot and they start believing. So I'm looking at a team, I, I couldn't tell you now, but a team that, let's say a team that starts out, you know, four or five and oh, kind of like Minnesota did this year and rode to 10 or 11 games before they lost one. Um, you know, if there's a team that is sort of off the wall that starts out four or five and oh, I would love to get a future bet on them because I think that would be the team that starts believing that and they start to play at a level that they're actually they're not really capable of playing consistently at that level. But once they start believing it, you know, I think they, they sort of buy into it and, and they're playing sort of above their average. Right. So um, right. that would be a team that I look at. I'd also look at a team that is coming from a coach that has a strong motivation, you know, kind of like, uh, I know he's, I think he's just recently retired, but like a Chris Peterson type, you know, that, that is, you know, got, got some motivation to, to rally his players, a, a player's a, coach. 
EJ uh, Platt, that, that can rally the boat. The I, I like I like the returning core that Minnesota has, and and what what PJ Fleck did in year one. Um, it wouldn't shock me out of this world if he could, you know, take somebody from the, you know, uh, north central United States in the icy weather and and turn them into a, a, a powerhouse. Um, you know, the thing about their offense and what they run, it's not a very sophisticated scheme. Um, yeah, that that's the biggest thing that scares me about, you know, we're we're Alabama fans. There's no sugar coating there. Um, what scares me about Alabama is the how complicated their defensive scheme is. They need that time in spring training and summer camp and everything to learn the defense, to practice the defense. Um, and without that time – you know, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough year. Um, it's going to be shortened, and and it, it it scares me on teams that run a very complicated system, whether it's offense or defense, that they don't have the time uh, this year that they normally do to to work on the little things to to, to get their scheme down. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely, the time is going to be a factor in for those teams that that run that complicated system. Uh, going to run over some quick ACC teams for you. We got Boston College at five, Clemson. We mentioned earlier at eleven and a half. That's the highest win total on the board right now. Duke at five and a half, Florida State seven and a half, Georgia Tech three, Louisville seven and a half, Miami nine, NC State four and a half, North Carolina eight and a half, Pittsburgh six and a half, Syracuse five and a half, Virginia six and a half, Virginia Tech eight, and Wake Forest seven. I don't know about you, but a couple of them that I, I look at here, um, NC State at four and a half is interesting for the over for me. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just not buying into North Carolina. I know they, they got off to a quick start last year and, and gave Clemson that, you know, scare. And, and you know, I know that Brown's there and he's got them fired up. But at eight and a half, we're, we're needing nine wins out of that team to, to get the over there. And uh, I, I'm just seeing a, a more of a, a six and six or, or maybe seven and, and with eight and a half we've got that cushion there and i kind of like taking the under okay there. i feel you yeah, yeah north carolina is definitely a one one for the gipper type team uh you know they didn't have the best talent last year but were you know able to put together some some good performances and you got to credit that to mac brown uh nine is tough i still don't see the talent i mean uh the qb's not bad that's returning from last year but uh I don't know if that's an testament to what North Carolina, you know, has to put on the field versus the competition they're they're going to play. Uh, I think the ACC in general is just viewed as as going to be a down year next year outside of Clemson. So uh, I, I think that may, you know, North Carolina's total may be up just because everybody else is is viewed as is going to have a down year this year. Okay, um, we've got the Big 12, and again, we're going to go through these Power 5 conferences, but uh, again, Caesars has got a lot of the other uh, teams on there. If anybody wants to check those out, you can probably just Google it and just 2020 season win totals and be able to pull those up. But um, you've got Baylor at 8, Iowa State at 8, Kansas 3.5, Kansas State 6, Oklahoma 10, Oklahoma State 8.5, TCU 6.5, Texas 9, Texas Tech six and West Virginia five and a half. Hunter, is there anybody in the Big Twelve that looks to catch your eye at all? I mean, it's hard to look away from Oklahoma. I mean, year in year out, they're they're steadily putting you know best team on the field. Um, now, right? 
And with ten, with ten, you're essentially needing three losses. Exactly, and with an unknown quarterback there, as far as you know, not being a first-time starter, it's just tough for me to 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 take a gamble and, and say that they're going to win, you know, ten, eleven games with a first-time starter QB. Um, even though they've been consistent with it, uh, you got to think that eventually that 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 trend's going to fail. Um, Oklahoma State, Texas, I think they're going to have decent squads this year. Uh, I like Texas to actually finally – everybody says Texas back, Texas back. I think this is their year. They're actually right. – what, what is it, year three now? Um, right. Got to yeah, return, quarterback. return quarterback. Um, defense was stepping around towards the end of last year. I think Texas is my sleeper team um, out of that conference this year. And, uh, you know, once again, it's tough to say anything at this point in time without, without you know, going off uh, – anything that we've seen from the spring, but I'm going to go with over with Texas there. And I like Texas to win that conference this year. Yeah. And speaking of, uh, you know, teams, you know, coaches that can fire the guys up, you know, I've, I've went to a coaching conference back when I was coaching football for high school football and, and, you know, Tom Herman is definitely a guy that can get the team fired up and he has a great way of motivating. Um, so, you know, that would definitely be a team that would qualify as that team that sort of, you know, is that sleeper that sort of jumps off the page and gets hot at the right time and gets rolling and, and not necessarily the most dominant conference to, to have to go right. through. So, yeah, that definitely would be a team. That this is that their deal. year for the fact of, you know, what they have to put on the field versus, you know, like I said, with Oklahoma losing their players, got a couple going to the draft with C.D. Lamb, um, a couple defensive guys. I I think Texas can can step up and really make a move in that conference. There, there may be a sleeper out there, too. Um, it's been a couple years since TCU has really, you know, lived up to their hype. So, uh, I think, what would you say, theirs was five and a half for TCU? TCU, six, six and a half. Six and a half for TCU. Um, that that seems that seems low to me. You know, I know they've <laughs> right. last couple of years, but um, TCU, I, I'm going to have to go with over over six and a half. I think they get seven, eight wins easy, if not competing for more. And that's a team, you know, like you said, that that's you know they usually are consistently being able to win. Got a good coach, and you know, and a lot of these teams that. That, that we know we trust there's a lot of unknown and th- those are probably the teams that you, you sort of you know don't really have a gauge to take a risk on this early in the season not knowing you know the coach and their consistency but if you can find the coaches that you know are consistent with a program I, I would say those teams are, are probably the more likely to handle you know this you know postponement of spring ball and everything a little bit well than some of the others especially some new coaches coming in taking over a program for the first time I mean imagine that you have no no time to implement your system, so that's right. tough. Um, and then lastly, uh, the Power Five conferences, we've got the Pac-12. Um, me and you is probably not the sharpest on these compared to some of the others that we know a little bit uh, better than the, uh, these teams out west. But in the Pac-12, we've got Arizona at four and a half, Arizona State at eight, Cal at seven, Colorado at three, Oregon nine and a half, Oregon State five and a half. We've got Stanford at five and a half, UCLA five and a half, USC eight, Utah eight and a half, Washington eight and a half, and Washington State at six. And right now, I'll go ahead and tell you two teams that I'd favor out of this conference. I'm Stanford at five and a half. You know, I know that this may be a little bit of a rebuilding year for them, but and they're not necessarily the Stanford that they were, you know, maybe five or six years ago, and when they had consistently a, a you know a ten win team. But 
Stanford at five and a half, you know, they're, they're a pretty consistent bunch to at least make a bowl game. So I kind of like them there. And then Utah at eight and a half, you know, I would kind of lean this would be the year that they sort of fall back a little bit. Eight and a half is, is, is tough there, but I'm thinking this is more of a, a, a seven, maybe eight. I got that hook there at eight and a half. But, you know, last year they got off to that strong start and then sort of tanked right there in the Pac-12 championship game and in their bowl game. But I'm thinking this could be the year they fall back a little bit. But those two are two teams that jump off to me. Uh, I feel you there. Um, the one that out of the Pac-12 that I like the most um, outside of the obvious, Oregon, uh, I like Arizona State at eight. I'm liking it over. Okay. Um, Herm Edwards, uh, you know, has put together a pretty strong defense there at Arizona State. Uh, he had a true freshman quarterback last year that um, end of the year was playing damn good. Uh, hell, I think uh, they're, they're the ones who took Oregon down last year. So, um, Arizona State at eight, I could see them pulling off nine, ten wins and actually competing for the Pac-12 next year or this year. Um so I, I like the I like the experience they're bringing back, and I, I like Herm Edwards as a coach. I think he's one of the better coaches out of the Pac-12 with the most experience, and uh, and I think he can rally his troops, especially uh, you know with the circumstances going on. So. Right, and uh, and like I said, you know earlier, you know the biggest thing here is if you're betting any of these, obviously, you know there's not going to be crazy. Uh, crazy juice plus juice on any of these so you know i would i would look at shopping around finding the best value finding the best line you might could even find a team at you know a half point over or under what you what you need to get it at so you might can find a little value shopping around different different books there but um you know it's fun to break down and, and sort of take a guess on a few i wouldn't i wouldn't have a a huge amount bet out on a few of these but just you know for shits and giggles i'd like to have a a couple of these bet out, so yeah. The, um, about the those are those are a few teams. Lose them in week one, you know. So you got the money right. on the line. It's kind of like an investment that you can uh, have, uh, you know, have a chance through most of the year. Um, so that's, that's why I like it to put a few future bets in. That even when you have a bad week, okay, I still got some money on the table. Still got a chance, you know, if these teams do well, and still gives you some interest in the games as well. Um, and, and while, while we're talking about it, uh, I know it's too early, but talking about the future, um, I need four playoff teams. I need you to go ahead and put that out there. Who do you, who do you got? The too early to tell, no spring game. Give me four playoff teams, and I'm going to write this down and uh, see if either one of us can, can get a team that we can predict in the playoffs for this year. Are we going of Are we going off of the long shots? Or are we going off of the? Hey, I'm telling. I'm asking you, what four teams? If you pick right now, who you think is going to be in the playoffs? What What are they? Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm I'm going to go with three strong ones because I'm 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 looking at this from trying to get the most possible in there. So I figure that at least two of these three are going to get in. I don't think all three get in, but but I'm going to go with these to hope to get these right. But uh, I'll go with the, the obvious three of Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. I'll, I'll go with those three teams. Um, knowing that I have to take a team probably more so out of the, the Pac-12 or, or the Big 12 um, because I just – I find it – hard to believe that the committee's going to allow two teams back in and, and repeat that Georgia Alabama scenario. And then it's not a, it's not a 
to say that they won't ever happen again, but it's going to, it's going to take almost a miracle to allow that back in. So I'm thinking that they're going to try to get a team out of the big 12 or, or the pac 12. And I don't trust anybody out of the pac 12 and, and the, and the big 12, um, you know, you know, Oklahoma has been getting in and been getting embarrassed. So um, I hate to have to steal your sleeper there and piggyback off of you, but I'll, I'll go with Texas. I'll roll with uh, Alabama, Texas, Clemson, and Ohio State are my four. Okay. All right. Um, those are some obvious picks with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. I'm going against two of them. Uh, I'm not picking Alabama. I'm not picking Ohio State. Uh, I do think Clemson remains who they are, and majority of that, once again, is is the ACC being down. I just don't think they have the test week in, week out that that um, that the Alabama does, that um, even Ohio State does. I, I think Clemson's opponents are a little weaker there. I'm taking Clemson. Uh, I think Penn State. Uh, I, I think. I think Penn State's going to have a very strong year this year. I think they're going to be the one team that beats Ohio State, which is going to catapult them into the playoffs. So I'm going to definitely could see that. Definitely could go see that. out on a limb. I love the coach. Um, he's done an excellent job at the program. He's got um, some, some good, Agreed. solid starters returning. Uh, I'm going to go Clemson, Penn State, and then I'm going to throw two wild cards in, okay? So, out of the SEC, I do have an SEC team that I'm projecting, but that is Florida. Uh, okay. I like okay. Florida this year. Uh, Mullen, he's going to have some very weak competition in the East. Uh, I think they run the East with no problem. Um, and then uh, they're not playing any of the big dogs in the West, if, if I'm not mistaken. So I think they got they got one of the most feasible SEC um, tests as well as uh, I think they're going to have a decent team to put on the field this year. So Clemson, Penn State, Florida, and then I like um, – I'm going to go – I'm going to toss up between my Texas team and uh, I like Oregon. Um, okay. Even though, you know uh, – Herbert's going. Um, right. right. Uh, I like what Mario Cristobal's done with that team. Uh, they have a heck of a recruiting class and, and a lot of guys returning, and they don't have a lot of competition in the pack in the Pac-12. Um, I think they can run the table. Uh, last year, they would have been in if they would have uh, survived that last uh, road game against Arizona State. It would have been Oregon in the playoffs. So I think it's a revenge year for them. Uh, and they do have um, have some strong guys returning. So write it down, Clemson, Penn State, Florida, Oregon. That's my four. Uh, a little against the grain, too early to tell. But that, that... Okay, well, we'll, we'll bet a steak dinner on it and uh, see uh, see how we come well, out. Well, I'm there. also going to throw some futures on all four of those, too, just, just as I okay. – you know, Clemson's probably not got the uh, – Got the uh, the juice on it, but I think Penn State, Florida, and Oregon might have decent odds. So I'm going to throw some futures bets on them to to make the playoffs and to win the championship, just to have, you know, put my money where my mouth is. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, uh, moving on to our segment of over under, where we uh, break down something good, something bad. Uh, our something good tonight is going to be on uh, the 
category of horse racing. But before we get to that, I want to talk about one of our sponsors being Express Bet. Express Bet has a new feature called First Bet. It allows you to handicap uh, several different horse races. You can actually go in and watch over 200,000 past races to identify horses with a key winning pattern and help better select the best horse possible to win the race. So join Express Bet today and start winning. Um, Hunter, tonight we're going to talk about uh, the guy that was lucky enough last week at Gulfstream Park. He went in, and uh, I don't know how much that ticket cost him, but he basically bet a 50 cents pick five. I'm sure he had more than 50 cents out there with several different combinations, but he had a 50 cents pick five that paid out $524,000 on a 50 cents pick five horse race. Uh, that's a pretty good way to, to justify your quarantine and your, your sports gambling there to come up with a 50 cent pick five. Jeez, man, that's a, that's a gold, gold mine there. Right. And, and obviously right now with all the sports, you know, being shut down, you know, a lot of guys that are a lot of junkies out there needing to get a little action, some degenerates firing off on some horse racing. And then there's also, you know, those that are playing poker right now, but, uh, you know, horse racing is probably the one that a lot of people are just sort of, you know, firing off, trying to take a couple shots. And this guy played a pick five. It started off with a 73 to one long shot on a pick five ticket. And, you know, and I've played a lot of these pick fours, pick fives. And, you know, usually when you're doing these, you know, you can't bet six or seven in each race, um, six or seven different horses in each race, because you're, you're going to be looking, you know, even at a 50 cents ticket, that sort of adds up and, and you, you could easily be looking at, you know, a thousand dollar ticket if you've got five, four or five horses on every race. So, um, you've got to sort of eliminate some somewhere. And, and usually what I like to do on these pick fives is, is, you know, I'll have one or two races where, you know, my long shots could come in and I'll sort of play just about every horse in the field. But then I also have, one or two races where I really like a horse and I have to single that horse sort of to get the value down on my ticket. So um, I'll be interested in to find out a little bit more information about this guy and how much he had to spread on that ticket to win. Cause a 73 to one, one long shot, you know, I don't care who you are. You can't really cap that or predict that horse to win. Yeah. I think he just found lightning in a bottle. I mean, I'm sure he had a, a you know, a little bit of knowledge going into it and took a lot of favorites, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's a long shot. I, uh, he probably didn't spend much. I mean, 520, 20-something thousand. Congrats to him. Shout out. Um, yeah. Was there any uh, any bad uh, gambling stories that jump off the page to you in recent memory? I mean, I'm, I'm going to use myself here. Uh, <laughs> and I say bad just for the fact of, you know, I was down at Luxy back in January, and I bet a a sixteen UFC parlay, right? Um, right. And I'm not a huge UFC guy. I follow it. I follow the big fights. I don't watch every card every weekend. Um, I don't know, you know, a lot of the no name guys. But we were we were in Biloxi, and uh, I took a sixteen parlay. Uh, lo and behold, the the card that I was betting, I thought it was all on the same night, and it was not. It was spread out over like four months or three months. Um, well, lo and behold, uh, I was five for five on the damn on the damn parlay. Um, five for five with the six fights scheduled for this weekend. Um, so. You know, I, I don't know what happens. The, the, the fights are canceled, so I, I assume, just like any other 
bet? Would it cancel out? Do I win my five-team parlay? Um, or, you know, is it postponed? Do I have to wait till, you know, June, July, August, whenever they reschedule this fight? Um, I can't call Hard Rock and ask. You know, I'm just kind of floating in no man's land here. I mean, I would like right. to think I'm guaranteed a five-teamer, um, but that may Right. I, I'd favor that. I'd, I'd say that's probably where we're headed. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I would guess, um, which I'm still happy with it. It's a, it's a good cash, um, especially on a card that, you know, I anticipated on losing the night that I made the bet. It's strung out over over three months now, and I'm still on the hook um, on the last leg. But, you know, that six-teamer pays uh, quite a good penny more than that five-teamer. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of, it's, it's not directly a loss. It's just one of those, I mean, shit, you got a 16 parlay on the sixth leg, um, with a fight that, you know, is not, is, has been postponed. So I don't, I, it's first time for me. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough call there. And, uh, and definitely, you know, that, that's, uh, something where a lot of those UFC fights, when they're listed on boards, you know, that they, they forget to sort of break them up by that date. And that date just never really jumps out. When you see it on the board, you read it just like a football or basketball board and you think they're all on that same night. So I can see how you sort of, you know, fell into that trap and took a couple of fights that were later on in future dates. So, yeah. Um, I yeah. bet the UFC um, or even, you know, take a, take a bunch of long shot parlays on UFC, but it was one of those in Biloxi um, feeling it. We had, uh, that was the cowboy um, and uh, 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 what's his name fight. I can't even say, I don't even know. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, cowboy. I can't, I'm slipping that too, but I know, I know McGregor and cowboy. So that's it. That's you know, it. So I thought I was going to bet the card that night. Next thing you know, I got a 16 parlay that lasts over four months. Um, but it's still live, so uh, I'm. I guess we'll find out eventually. We'll we'll loop back in, and I'll I'll let you guys know whether or not I got paid, or if it's a loser, or what. How that that parlay out for me? There you go. Well, uh, we're gonna last segment we're gonna talk about tonight. We're gonna break down a little bit on the NFL draft, and and we'll probably do more of it next week. Um, you know, time wise, you know, we we want to, you know, uh, sort of, you know, have a. Uh, you don't have the best material during the the coronavirus time with no sports going on. So we want to give, uh, you know, all of our listeners, you know, a good breakdown on the draft. So we'll probably do a little bit more next week, but we'll, we'll sort of touch on some of the things that we, that we are sort of leaning on this week. But before we do that, I want to mention our last sponsor of the night, Alpha Insurance. Call a local agent like yours truly, Clint Pitchford in Prattville, Alabama, for all your home auto life insurance needs. Having a local agent that knows you and, can help you when times truly matter, especially when it comes to filing a claim. Why not go with a company that has one of the highest claim satisfaction ratings? Call Alpha Insurance today. All right, so uh, last thing we're talking about tonight is the NFL draft, you know, and um, I was looking online, and, and the reason I say we'll probably wait till next week before we look at a lot of these on here um, because next week a lot of sports books will start putting up even more lines. I, I would imagine this is going to be the big sporting event to bet on in the, for this month because there's nothing else really to bet on. And, uh, you know, one of the things that has jumped off to me is, you know, some of these draft orders and the predictions of some of them. And, and one of those is being the wide receiver category. A lot of uh, sports books have over under five and a half wide receivers taking the first round. I'd kind of lean maybe to the over there. Um, and then also, you know, 
if you're if you were taking the if you were taking the the wide receiver to be drafted off first. Uh, Judy is looking at minus 120 uh, plus 120 for C.D. Lamb and then you've also got uh, Henry Ruggs III that obviously ran that fast 40 and bumped up his draft stock. He's looking at uh, you know plus 300 on him. Um, so you know, three to one on him. Uh, you know, those are those are the top three, and then everybody else is uh, is about fifty to one. So, uh, who would you lean there? It's going to be between C. Um, think it, and it's really good. Fall number eight, um, and I think they'll probably. I would have to go with Judy over Lamb, um, but and they're very very comparable. I think Judy's a little better route runner, um, but from size, speed, uh, ability, it's almost a coin flip. I don't think you're going to go wrong with either one. Uh, I don't know, you know, were they able to do the interviews like normal? Were they, you know, they didn't have pro days as normal, so I don't know if that affects any teams on taking a wide receiver early or, or, or often. Um, I'm going with Judy. I, I think he goes uh, as the first wide receiver off the board. Um, and I would actually lean under on five and a half receivers. I just, you know, it's a it's a strong receiving class, but okay. you got to think about it. When's the last draft that you had five six receivers going the first round? It's just a, it, it's, it, it there is right. a market for them. So I think there'll be some teams that try to scoop some in the second and third round versus you know stepping up and, and taking them in the first. Another thing, uh, you know, that sort of, you know, we talked about wide receivers. Uh, one thing that's sort of jumped out to me in, in this class is, you know, there, there's not that, that strong, you know, top ten running back. And, and I think teams really in the NFL have have sort of tried to get away from that a little bit. I know, I know in fantasy football, you know, we look to take those running backs early and often, you know, because it's a totally different system and set up. You know, obviously it's fantasy, so it's a different style. But, you know, as far as the draft goes, we, we draft the same. You know, you might be looking at a quarterback, you know, that's sort of fourth or fifth. And when there's a run going, you know, teams sort of, you know, jump in and, and grab somebody when there starts to be a run. And so I imagine the, the running back run – you know, they're projecting it not to really start up until the second and third round. But one thing I'm seeing more and more in the NFL now is teams will teams don't need a high, you know, predominant back that they'll oftentimes find a guy that, you know, has sort of played in the league for two or three years and then draft him and, and get him on the team, you know, later on seeing his potential in the NFL. But, you know, you look at the teams, at the, even in the Super Bowl, you know, these a lot of these guys wasn't first-round draft picks at running back, you know. So I think teams realize that, that there's value in these third, no fourth, and fifth the history rounds follows running that too. I mean, they're having success. Um, you know, they're look, the durability and the, the size of the backs, you know, uh, we don't have anybody that just jumps off the page as being, you know, a top five running back, um, which, you know, makes them less less valuable when it comes to a first rounder because they, they fall and uh, you can scoop up three or four comparable guys um, late first round, early second round. Um, they can all contribute the same way. Yeah, and if you're, if you're sitting there, you know, this will probably be our – our sort of our last breakdown of the night on somebody. And then, like I said, next week we'll really get in, dive into the draft and try to get a, a few uh, a locked bets for you guys out there that's wanting to bet this draft. But um, 
what is your take on uh, Tua right now? If you're if you're sitting there and you're you know the Dolphins or the Bengals or somebody sitting back and and you're sort of mid pack, you know six seven in the draft order, are you looking to to take a risk and, and trade up to that third or fourth spot to to try to get uh, Tua early, or are you just going to try to sit back and let him fall to you if he does? If, if a team out there uh, really wants Tua, and and when I say really wants him, if they're they're willing to take that chance, they're going to have to trade up to get him. Um, he's going to go top five. I think he's going to go top three. The risk versus reward is just too high. Um, I know he's got the health issues. He's got the durability issues. Um, but you'd hate to be that team that wanted to draft him but passed on him, and this kid turns out to be a once-in-a-lifetime NFL quarterback. I mean, he's got the arm. He's got the intangibles. Um, he's smart. His QB IQ is, is out of this world. Um, he's a likable guy. He's a brandable guy. Um, you know, he's a top three quarterback. If there's a team out there that, that just has to have him, it wouldn't shock me if we see something crazy next week, like somebody from, from middle of the pack back trades up to number two or number three to take Tua. Um, and I just don't, you know, the risk versus right. reward is just, it's just there, and, and it, they may tank. But um, if I'm a GM and I'm sitting there with an option to to get me a franchise quarterback, somebody that could not only change, um, could change the entire uh, culture of your program, uh, to is the guy to do that. Is Burrow? Is Herbert? Um, I don't think so. I mean, could they be? Yeah, anybody could draft a Tom Brady that can turn your program around. That's lightning in a bottle. You know what you got with Tua. You see it right there, and I think the the risk versus reward is just somebody's going to take an astronomical chance on him, and, you know, it could pay off. Right. And, uh, you know, I think Joe, Joe Burrow is obviously going you know, to be one and Chase Young, too. I wouldn't probably, or, you know, argue those with, with the Bengals and the Redskins, you know, taking those two. Um, but, you know, when, when you're looking at teams that's going to need a quarterback sitting there at, at four, five, and six, those are all teams that, you know, could possibly need that, that quarterback, and that being the, the Dolphins, you know, the, uh, the Chargers, you know, and the Panthers, you know, those are three teams right there that I look at, you know, that would possibly need one. And, um, you know, so, so it is interesting to, it will be interesting to see what Detroit and the Giants do, you know, that they're not looking to get a quarterback there, but, you know, it would be interesting to see what the, what the trade value is because, you know, obviously, you know, to his health is concerned and, and, you know, if you're sitting there at five or six, if I'm playing it, I, I'm probably going to try to let him fall to me. Um, but I agree with you. I think that somebody is going to trade up and, and take him there. So uh, he probably will get taken third, but we'll have to see. But we'll break that down next week. Uh, you got anything to, to close us out before we head off to next week? I know you've had a busy week in the work uh, field this week. So um, if you don't got anything, we'll uh, head off and uh, pick back up next week. Uh, it sounds start like talking about the draft. sir. Um, enjoyed it and uh, hope everybody takes a listen to, to our future win totals and uh, yeah man I'm excited about the draft next week we finally get to at least see some some action even though it's not you know uh, uh, a live game it's something that we can bet on and something that we can talk about throughout the week so Agreed. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. And uh, join in next week, and we'll, we'll break down the draft. Hope you enjoyed it.